OMG, how does I record? How does I shot web? You're listening to the Gaming Asylum Podcast. Episode 6 of the Gaming Asylum Podcast. I'm Michael. I'm Jeff. And I'm the Chroma at Mark. <laughs> okay, so I guess we should start off with what we've been playing, as is normal. Alright, go ahead. No, don't put pressure on me. I Recently I've been playing a lot. I've been really dividing my time up between uh, Resident Evil 5, which I'm finally just now getting into, and it completely throws out everything Resident Evil, but for a third-person action game, it's really good. Even if I do keep ending up getting match-made with five-year-olds, which is irritating. And then, other than that, I'm also playing quite... It has Wesker in it. It's Resident Evil. Wesker is one of the coolest villains in the history of the universe. And I've also been playing a lot of fighting games, because for some reason I'm now on a fighting game tangent. So I'm playing Vanilla Street Fighter 4, and I'm also playing uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 3. I'm probably better at Marvel because it requires less thought and more mashing. And in case anyone plays the game and is interested, my team right now is Akuma, um, it's Akuma, Hagger, and Doctor Doom. Although I th I'm thinking of switching out Hagger with uh, Super Scroll. So you, you, you play a character that you just admitted to me earlier today that was A, broken. And you're, you're also a button masher? Michael, are you an unprofessional not... gamer? You you found me out. I do play. I, my original team was Phoenix. Was a, No, it was Sentinel Hulk Phoenix, also known as Team Make the Other Guy Rage Quit as Fast as Humanly Possible. Why do I believe you? That's why I love side-by-side uh, -side fighters. Yeah. And then, but Sentinel got nerfed, so I'm now on this team. I, I don't... I don't... Akuma's Tatsu is really broken for anyone not Street Fighter-y educated. It's just a giant spinning kick that crosses the entire screen. And if you get stuck in it, you're pretty much screwed, because usually by that... Unless you, you block you, it. Well, yeah, but there are a lot of people online who don't know how to block things. And then do my hidden missiles so that even if they... Even if my Tatsu fails and they get me a combo, they just get hit by the missiles. And then Hagger is just amazing, because he's Hagger. And he has a pipe. But, okay, so... That's from Final Fight, Yeah, this right? is coming yes. from the kid who looked at me and said, You know what? Arthur is unimportant because nobody knows who he is. But you know who Mike Hagar is? Yeah, I... Re <laughs> okay, I, I, re I, re I redact my Arthur comment because Arthur is amazing. And he's probably the second the most broken character. Well, that is, if you don't know how to fight... If you don't know how to fight Arthur, you're screwed. Because if if Arthur gets within three feet of you, you're playing him wrong. I take it Arthur's... we're not talking about Arthur from The Tick. N no, we're talking about Arthur from Ghosts and Ghouls Goblins. And ghosts. Oh, all right. Or Ghouls and Ghosts. <laughs> he was he, he was bad, also in bad. Ghosts and Goblins. But this specific iteration is from Ghouls. Super Ghouls and Ghosts. ghosts. Because every single one of Arthur's every single one of Arthur's moves involves throwing a projectile of some sort. Every single one. He has like 12. So if you're a good Arthur, that means you're on the other side of the screen and you just keep throwing crap until you build up your super, which is, guess what, throwing a bunch of crap. Or turning into a better version of throwing crap for 12 seconds. Oh, yeah. And then you're in your underwear. Or if you have three bars summoning a dragon for some reason. They actually did the underwear part. Uh, that's the yeah, best the part. part. Wow. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's amazing. Because if you win, you just get the little win cinematic of Arthur, but he's in his underwear. Heart-shaped boxer the other for guy the win. Feels bad. And then for Street Fighter, I usually play Fei Long, and I'm getting really mad at seeing Ken. It's really irritating. Welcome to Street Fighter. You're lucky it isn't Ryu for once. Just Ken, Tatsu, 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 Shoryoken, super dead. That's it. Again, that's why I love side-by-side -side fighters. Yeah. Hey, you... Getting any tabletop gaming in there? No, I haven't been playing a lot. Uh, I have been working on a couple of my games, which are at pretty much a editing 
are we talking about are we talking about designing a game or designing an adventure? Designing a game. Ah, okay. I have two games which are, uh, yeah, they're pretty much just at grammar editing, and then they'll be on RPGNet, and you'll know they'll be on RPGNet because the episode after it's on RPGNet, I'll be pimping them ridiculously. How much are you going to charge for them, Michael? Uh, I'm torn between 99 cents and uh, free. I seriously go with 99 cents. I think there is a strange um, double world that free lives in that 99 cents doesn't. Explain. I think that people, even unconsciously, when they get something for free, their brain devalues it. Uh, Uh. We just have lived in such a money-centric society for so long that, you know, you go in, I mean, People associate free with, like, the Salvation Army and Goodwill and stuff like that. And their brains, even if they don't mean to, will start thinking a little bit negatively if they get it for free. Whereas if they pay 99 cents for it, you know, that's something. They recognize that. It's the price of a candy bar, at least. You know, they can their brain puts it into a certain world. And from there, they can say, well, this was much better than a candy bar. You only pay 99 cents for candy bars? Uh, sorry, I'm old. In the 70s. Okay, so, Jeff, what have you been playing? Uh, well, in the video games, I've been playing Cultip Saga. I've been trying to get more, uh, build up my card collection. And given that the games take, like, you know, a half hour to play, it's always kind of frustrating. But at the same time, uh, at least at the point I'm at where I'm defeating the Elemental Masters, every single time I've won a game, they've given me a five-point achievement, so I'm not going to complain. Uh, after that, been playing my usual crop of uh, Facebook games. I am available on Farmville or Frontierville or Cityville. Ah. And as to role-playing games, our RPG campaign group finally got together last week for another session. It was kind of short, but I think we all sculpted where we wanted to go. And what was really cool was that the GM started by asking every player to describe what their character's mental mindset was at the time, which I think helped him anchor the action to what we were thinking and doing and made it a little bit better of a session. So much kudos to that. I've got some other comments, but I'm going to actually save them for a little bit and pass it on over to Mark for what he's been playing. Yeah, if they're one I'm thinking of, we'll have another segment for that a little bit later. Yeah. What have I been playing? Uh... I just beat Demon's Crest on the Super Nintendo. That was fun. Except the final boss, which I don't know if I explained this to either of you, but it was. It's one of those bosses that are very old school in design, and yes, it's with SNES, so don't, don't argue with me. Where you have to get a flow down perfect, otherwise, you're going to get hit every time. And I couldn't get the flow down perfect because it was 2 in the morning, and I might have been semi drunk. So I just. I had to quit. And go back and then grind money and then get every healing item in the game. And I literally stood right in front of the boss's face and spammed the fire button and healing until I won. Awesome final boss. <laughs> and So either you could spend an extra like eight hours playing the game for almost no purpose whatsoever. Or you can go into the final boss fight and fight it flawlessly. Yes. That is that is some old school design right there. That is some very old school design. The last boss I had to fight flawlessly. <laughs> um, they haven't revisited that old school until Braid, as far as I know. Yeah, can. yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like Shadow Complex, all the bosses I was able to just get away with spam my 57 grenades. Because <laughs> by the point you actually reach any of the bosses, you've already obtained about 30 more grenades than you need to kill them. That's a lot of grenades. That is the heinz of grenades. <laughs> well, when you collect all of the all of the associated like collectibles for one am- for one weapon type, it just becomes infinite. So at the moment, I have infinite grenades, infinite missiles, infinite these little foam pack things that stun stuff. It seems like if you got shot and you were carrying infinite grenades, it would be bad. But one of the power-ups you get is like near the end of the game, you pretty much become bulletproof, and they, they might as well, once you get all the power-ups, just hand you a button that says everything on the screen dies. Because rooms that I had to, like, crawl through and hide and 
fight for every scrap of health, I now just like skip through and I'm just like missile, 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 missile. You know, I actually uh, well, maybe that's the point at that point. Yeah. I want you to experience the end game. No, uh, I have I I used to play this one game on Bonus.com back before it became a porn and job search site. That the developer left a uh, left a a button that killed everything on screen, and then like everybody's high scores were so ridiculously high, and I was like, how does everyone have such high scores? Until I realized that K kills everything on the screen. <laughs> uh, let's go into. Uh, a department we usually save for the end, but we're going to bump up to the beginning. Wins and fails. We're going to talk about what we think has been good and bad in gaming and otherwise in the last couple weeks. And Mark, we'll start with <laughs> what? All right. So my wins this week. Uh, the first one is the Infinite Tower RPG Flash game, which you can find on Facebook, Newgrounds, and everywhere in the world. But nobody's playing it but me. Um, it is... It, it is not an RPG in the traditional sense. I don't know if any of you ever used to own what is called a barcode battler. But literally, you watch your guy and a picture of another guy stand there and blink at each other until one of them dies. And then you increase your stats. And then you keep doing this for as long as you can. And eventually you will lose because the game will not let you win. That was like a scanners, right? No, no, no. Uh, Barcode Battlers was way forever ago. Back when Transformers would have still been... Uh, back when like one of the new iterations of Transformers would have still been on TV. So around the era of Beast Wars, I would imagine. Ah. Uh, and it and was, was... It is a little unit that comes with a bunch of cards. And, and they had like you know packs of cards you could buy that were themed. It was really huge in Japan. Very, very not not big over here. And uh, what you did was you, you picked two heroes, and you'd scan them in, and then the game would say, insert bad guy one. And then you'd follow this little book and say, oh, here's bad guy one. Scan him in, watch him fight. It literally, there were no pictures. It was like, it was... Blink, 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 Yes, blink. <laughs> it was like putting two calculators together, having one go minus one equals... And then having the other go minus two equals, and then hitting equals on both of them until one of them hit zero. Well, there there is a role for firstness in you know computer and card game collectible design. It's it's not a huge role, but it is there for firstness. Which is yeah, yeah that's. Well, okay. I actually really really liked it. Not, I'm actually thinking about buying one and a bunch of cards, especially the Japanese ones because they're awesome. Seriously, people. Google Barcode Battlers, and there's one fan site dedicated to it that I visit at least once a month. So I take it that Infinite Tower does not have these cards? No. It is It is literally just, you pick your dude, one of four guys, and you fight the same three monsters that are either focused in strength, speed, or defense forever. Yes. Alright. I, 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 I'm attempting to perceive the awesomeness of that, and I will respect you for saying that it is awesome. Anyways, since apparently I'm I the will only... say that sounds completely dull, but that's just me. Yeah, well, you know what? Forget you guys, old school forever. Uh... Win number two, sir. Yes, my other win. The other win is uh, a little DVD that I recently got in the mail called Mega Man Upon a Star. Now, when I explain this to you, it's going to sound like the most hokey, stupid thing ever. The Japanese Office of Public Relations released this Mega Man DVD so that kids could watch it and learn about Japanese culture. Now that sounds fine. Yeah. I'm pretty cool yeah. with that. But... Is it uh, done in English or is it done in Japanese? It's done in both. It, it has both uh, Japanese with English subtitles and it's also done completely with a dub. I really did enjoy it. I actually learned a couple things, which was really cool. And uh, the best part about it, there, there's there's two parts I really love, and one of them you won't care because you're not a Mega Man fan, is the first part, <laughs> when Mega Man pops out of the TV and just lands in, in these kids' room, the parents come in like, what's all this noise going on? And then the kids are like, Mega Man came out of the TV. And the parents are like, oh, okay, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to be a Mega Man fan to enjoy that. Well, you you got to understand the other one. 
And the other one, which was one of the most hilarious things I'd, I'd ever seen in a long time, and I, it had me, I had to hit pause. I was laughing so hard. Is Mega Man defeats Dr. Wily. And he's like, you'll never catch me because I'm a ninja. And then he whips off his Dr. Clone, his full ninja garb, and disappears. <laughs> Dr. Wily the ninja. Well, it's a touch better than you can't catch me and the gingerbread man. Yeah. I suppose. <laughs> but yes, the, it's, it's brilliant. The only problem is that it's very, very rare. I had to spend like forty dollars on my copy, and that was one of the cheaper ones. Mm, all right. Yep. Um, my so fails. fails. <laughs> I'm sorry. I must be taking five hundred hours with these because you keep pushing me along like you're playing me off the stage. My first fail. <laughs> no, I am not. <laughs> okay. My first fail is the 3ds. I went ahead and bought one, even though the the rapture of homelessness is coming upon me. Because I, just, I, I budgeted for it, so don't worry. It is meh. I don't like it. It's, uh... I, I guess because I'm a little girl and I have to have it on Baby 3D. Maybe it's because I don't own any games for it. But the, the thing itself, the unit itself, and its design, its application, and how everything works. And the only cool thing about it are the little augmented reality cards. And even then, they're literally just, like cards that have little 3D models that pop out that you can take pictures of. Unless something really cool happens to it, you know, sometime in the future, I don't think I'm going to care for this as much as I thought I would. Well, given that the lifetime so far of the, DS, of the 3DS can be measured pretty much in minutes, I'm thinking that they will come out with more interesting software for it further on down the line. I don't know if it will take advantage of the 3D in all of it because, you know, like like any, not I don't want to say gimmick, but like any... Um, Major shift in paradigm. Ooh, okay. Somebody's been playing uh, Final Fantasy XIII. I think that it will pay off the most when it... Dang it, you called me on it. <laughs> I think it will be best when used partially and integrated with the rest of the functionality, like for instance, I think Connect is going to find its own when someone realizes that if you use Connect with the controller, it's a lot better. Also, you can use it to cure the blind. Perform open heart surgery, da 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 da, da. There's like 17 awesome things you can do with it. Yep, but I don't think the 3DS will find quite that level of utility, mostly because I don't think anyone's going to hack it like they've hacked the Connect. Yeah. Alright, and my other fail uh, falls to me yet again. I've been trying to pack my things up for the inevitable move. And uh, I, I've stumbled across like notebooks of my notes. And I sat down and, and flicked through them. And they're elaborate, detailed, beautiful, and completely goddamn indecipherable. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> that sucks. Perhaps to consider a typewritten or computer-saved documentation rather than handwriting? Possibly. Or are we saying we can understand the words and they are indecipherable? <laughs> a little bit of both, actually. What the hell did I mean by Market Blankets 49? Why did I write that down? How long ago were you writing these things? Less than a year. Wow. That... That is speaking in tongues, sir. I congratulate you. Thank you, you thank you. I'll take my award for really craziness and pass the wins and fails along to Michael. Okay, uh, my first win ties into my earlier talking about how I'm getting into fighting games. I pretty much got in based on the fact that Street Fighter Four was $9, or $10, or X dollars. Really freaking cheap. But I've really beaten, I can definitely tell my skill level is increasing. And that's because of, I'm including a joint win for two YouTube channels that I've been watching that show really expert level fighting and fighting games. And the commentary is really entertaining as well. The first one is a guy who goes by the title Beirudi, B-E-H-R-U-D-Y. He's Canadian, I believe. And he just kind of, he just kind of, he has Monday night fights, which are just every Monday night he plays some fighting game. Recently, it's been a lot of Super Street Fighter 4 and Marvel vs. Capcom, although two weeks ago was uh, 
him playing the Mortal Kombat demo for the new one, and this last week was him playing Power Stone for the Sega Dreamcast, which was awesome. And he was, his personality is just exuberant, and it's really entertaining to listen to him fight. And the other one's an actual tournament feed called the Level Up series. Uh, they have Wednesday night fights, so two days of the week you'll get fights, and these are an hour long, hour, hour and a half long YouTube videos, just jam-packed with good commentary and good tournament play. You're going to share the uh, the addresses for these, right? Yeah, they're, they're both YouTube channels. They'll be in the show notes. You know, I used to and be a fighting win. game tournament fighter. You did? Yes, I did. I was. Uh, I used to be, I guess, champion level for Super Street Fighter 2. That's pretty cool. Got our own little Justin Wong here. Are we talking nationally? No. God, no. <laughs> Citywide, at the most. How 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 local is this a champion? What citywide probably? Maybe maybe like some guy maybe some guys from like other smaller towns. But I was definitely a big fish in in the pond. In fact, I was like regionally is still yeah. super cool. I was like a whale. If you put a whale next to a bucket of water, that's what it was like. Because I played E Honda and nobody won. Oh God. <laughs> For a second, I thought you were going to be like, I played Dan. All bow before me. This, this was much, much, much before Dan, and I do like playing Dan. So don't really, we're not going to start with this. Your other win, good sir. My other win, well, I have a I have a thematic win and a, and a fail that kind of go together. My second win goes to a sequel for my favorite game that no one's ever played. That's coming out in fourth quarter this year. The sequel to The Darkness. I am so freaking pumped. It's based on the comic by Top Cow. If you're not familiar with it, I guess Wikipedia it. Or you can just go buy The Darkness 1, seeing as it's $5 at GameStop, because no one played its amazingness. The Darkness 1's gunplay was mediocre, but the story is excellent. And they're making a sequel. And while there is a studio change, I'm very happy that in all of the preliminary stuff they're releasing, it seems like they're keeping with the dark themes of the original game. They're elaborating on what was good in the first game. They're getting rid of what wasn't. The gunplay in the first game was kind of lame. And even though it's a different studio, it looks like they're taking the game completely to heart. And even if it's a carbon copy of the first game, I don't care because I love the first game. Even if it pulls a crackdown too. That's what I was going to say. you got to watch out for that, even if it's a carbon copy. But is the game called More Darkness? <laughs> <laughs> darkness, sir. <laughs> no, it's just the darkness too. Okay. And then, okay, so my first fail ties in with that, and it's the precise opposite of that. It's a game, it's a sequel to another game that I loved that no one played, being made by the same studio that's completely just throwing everything that was good about it to the wayside. And that game is Prey 2. Now, the first Prey I freaking loved, because while it was a first-person sci-fi shooter, the premise was just so completely out there and completely unique to it that the game had its own separate feel. Prey 2 was about a Native American getting kidnapped by aliens, and so he had to like embrace his heritage and use, for some reason, all Native Americans have magic spirit-walking powers to defeat the to blow up the alien ship more or less. And it was amazing because while you could while you had your sci-fi first-person shooter gunplay, you could also go into like this spirit mode thing and then. You could like go around and run around as an invisible spirit and keep shooting people with arrows. Didn't I? Do I recall that this is one of the ones that let you like run on top of the ceiling and stuff like that? Yes, yeah, so that was another one of the major things. Uh, some of the major gimmicks was you you could shoot one of these arrows at certain panels in the ship, and gravity would change so that whatever side floor or ceiling that panel was on becomes the floor, so you fall over to that side. And then there were also like portals you could go around in, and there's one. Coolio scene where you kind of go through a portal and then you realize the portal goes into like this shrunken world and then you see a guard like walk up, but it's a normal sized guard, but he looks gigantic. And sadly for the sequel, even though the same company's making it, they're ditching the Native American character. They're ditching all of the spirit walking and gravity shifting powers, and they're instead making it Blandy McBlanderson's brown haired space adventures. And it's that does really sound stupid. short sighted. <laughs> I never got a chance to play Prey, but I did read about it, 
And actually, the gravity combat you're describing sounds actually kind of similar to some of the stuff you wind up doing in Dead Space, which I always loved. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like that. It's like, only... It would just kind of come up randomly. Like, you'd see this little white panel on a wall, and you'd know, okay, I can shoot that, and gravity switch. Uh, but no, they're completely getting rid of that, which completely sucks. I mean, it could be that they are... Uh, either dramatically changing that feature and just saying, I mean, how much have they said? Have they said they have they confirmed all of this? Um, they've confirmed there will be no more portals. There will be no more gravity combat, and the main Native American character is getting replaced with a. In the first game, there was a bit where the aliens abduct an entire like, an entire like 747, and it crashes on the ship. And apparently, you're playing as one of the survivors who looks completely bland and first-person shootery, who goes on an alien planet and becomes a bounty hunter. Which, I, I guess, could be wow. cool on its own merit. That does sound kind of cool, but they're completely just throwing out all the cool stuff they could have built on in the first game. There, well, there is a merit to create the destruction. I mean, the fact that they are getting rid of all of the old, established coolness, uniqueness, unique to Prey, yeah, it does seem like that's a baby in the bathwater situation, but if you're becoming this, you know... A bounty hunter on an alien world that could be replaced with all new sorts of cool. So, it it always is disturbing when you hear that the good stuff is being thrown out. But that's only because the unknown is the unknown. I mean, if it may be that next year Prey Two wins Game of the Year for its badass bounty hunter play, we don't know. Though I thought Boba Fett, Boba Fett bounty hunter was actually pretty good for its time. But, uh, yeah, it does seem like if you're going to build a niche market and then make a sequel in that niche market, you don't abandon all the features that created the niche. Yeah, I guess. But at the moment, it looks like they're just taking everything that built up the greatness of Prey 1 and sticking C4 to it. And my last fail is a more personal one. It was, uh, I took a practice AP test a couple weeks ago, and so one of the, uh, we had to write, it was my art history essay, and it was, one of the essays I had to write over was over Andy Warhol, and we okay. hadn't studied Andy Warhol yet, and I have no idea, it was asking for, like, the thematic movements in which he was a part of, which I have no idea about, so instead, I wrote literally an entire page about how Andy Warhol's portraiture of Marilyn Monroe connects to Scientology. Well, that may work. It's dicey. And but... then I go on to a Star Wars tangent, then a Doctor Who tangent, then a Cthulhu tangent. Okay. Yeah, that starts to look fishing. <laughs> it's really obvious from the start. I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah, I, I could... That, that that's, that's probably kind of, will not That's kind of me well. and my I mean... friends' themes and with things like that. Or if there's something that we have no chance of getting in the slightest... We just decide, okay, we're going to fail this, so we're at least going to make the greater laugh. So we just write random nonsense, and it's amazing, in my opinion. Like, uh, Does it ever work? Um, usually I get smiles, but not much else. Um, okay. I remember one essay on a biology test, or one biology test, one of my answers, was just a picture of a giant snake eating the Enterprise. Okay. And I, I got a smiley... Do you remember what the question was? Um... Or to the three chemicals that make up one bit of DNA? And the answer was a snake. You didn't the know the answer to that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. The answer was a snake eating the Enterprise. And you got a smiley face for that. I got a smiley face and a... I believe I made like an 87 on that one. Alright. I knew everything else, it's not that. So I was like, I can. So out of the uh, out of the AP test, how how many questions were there that you answered? Um, that was the only one I didn't answer legitimately. Uh, there... How many how many questions did you legitimately answer? Sixty. Okay. Something that you can stop right there. If if there were sixty questions, and you knew all but one of them. Well, I didn't know all but and... one, but that's it's it's not. But def... we haven't actually you, studied you had that shots yet. At the others. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Okay, so that 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 sounds very reasonable. I'd think pretty highly. I mean, there's always ninety nine percent of the time, especially for a, a test that's regionally administered as opposed to just the school you're in administering it, you're gonna hit something they didn't cover. That's just that's just that the vagaries of the curriculum there. So, but all right. 
So those were your wins and fails. So Jeffrey wins and fails. Uh, my first win I'm going to give to Evil Hat Games for the Dresden Files role-playing game. I finally got caught up to the books enough to where I could read the role-playing book comfortably, and I like what I'm seeing. It is a nice balance between some crunch for the people who come from the D&D world and a lot of descriptive, which is nice for people coming from the books and people coming new into the hobby. As I've said before, I'd rather people come new into the hobby at the descriptive side and then move to the crunch side just because I think the descriptive side is where the easy-to-understand enjoyment is to have. But uh, I like what they've done, and for people who follow the books, especially the second book in the, um, in the, in the Dresden Files game, The Our World, is a lovely concordance of almost every major character you'll see in the book. And the way they wrote it as if one of the characters from the books was writing it with Harry Dresden himself providing notes calls back to the old Bram Stoker Dracula, you know, the, the idea being, you know, here's a description of how to fight Dracula, that kind of thing. And they actually did that in the Dresden Files. They said that um, the, Harry, the, the Bram Stoker book was released to really give the real weaknesses of black court vampires, and that's why there's almost none left. So, Evil Hack Games, good job. I've got a little bit of a question, though, um, for those who've read the books. The mortal stunts seem very loosey-goosey. I mean, you pay this hard game currency, these, they were called these refresh levels, and you can pay them to either get, you know, immortal power or supernatural powers, like the ability to breathe underwater, stuff like that, or you pay this one similar in-game currency, and you kind of roll your own skill bonus, and you get DM approval, and if... You know, I don't think this game is really built for having your characters migrate from game to game, but if you did, you'd probably have to clear all of your moral stunts again. And it just, it feels a little too frothy. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not finished evaluating it, but I'm not happy with oh, it. You just gotta step but up your game. That's Jeff. one blemish. That's this, you're just not deadly enough as a GM. They need to be using those moral thingies like every five seconds. That's how real men do it. Well, that's how real mortals do it, I suppose. <laughs> so anyway, Win 1 was for Dresden Files, the role-playing game. It's really a good product for people who like the books, for people who like role-playing, for people new into the hobby. I recommend it. And the other win, and I am way late on the show for this one, but or on the way late in the scene, but uh, due to my brother finally having bought enough iPods and iPhones that there were enough to pass around, that first his wife got one, then my mom got one, and now I have his old second-generation iPod Touch, and so I'm getting into iPhone gaming, and I'm loving it. I I've been... I took this out of the would have been playing, but I've been playing uh, Cut the Rope. I've been playing just silly Yahtzee adventure. Uh, I played uh, this free Tangrams game. Haven't played Tangrams in forever. Uh, playing Words with Friends, which, by the way, my name on there, I believe, should still be Gamer Interface if you'd like to play. Um, just having a boatload of fun. Uh, the Farmville app for iPhone, I'd avoid. But uh, as I start considering what paid 99-cent apps to get into... I think it's only going to go uphill from here because so far it's all been free and fun. So getting to the iPhone scene, maybe hopefully still the fond dream of eventually getting to the iPad scene, but that's like, you know, a long way away. So those are my wins for Dresden Files Games and iPhone Gaming. My two fails, my first one is very vociferously and acidically delivered to AT&T for their routers. The router we have here has gotten to the point where basically if you um, start from scratch, you unplug it and replug it in, everything in the house will work for about two days, and then the iPhone drops off, the iPad drops off, the 360 drops off, the PS3 drops off, the, N the uh, PSP drops off. I haven't checked the DSi, but I'm fairly sure that one fails as well. About the only things that stay on it are my laptop and my wife's laptop. Everything else just stops getting assigned an IP address when you turn it on. And then you unplug the router and you replug the router and it works again for about two days. Uh, I've gone into the router settings a lot. I've had my brother who has set up networks going into the router settings a lot. And there's one setting that we tinkered with, which is the lease uh, length of uh, DHCP, 
which was set at 24 hours, I set it to like 100 hours. And if that extends the length in which point the, the IP addresses stop being assigned, we'll have some clue. Otherwise, I have to confront the nightmare of calling AT&T and speaking to someone who is following a script on why my router isn't giving out IP addresses, which is just going to be a picnic and a half, I'll tell you. So fail one for AT&T routers. And fail two to the Xbox Live Arcade title Full House Poker, which is really cool, and it's really fun, and it's good Texas Hold'em poker, but if you try and la- if you try and launch the game so that you can play single player, because they have single player, it still tells you you have to have an Xbox Live connection, which for me means I have to go unplug my router. But... <laughs> But fail for requiring month, requiring Xbox Live activation for a single-player game. Yeah. You can play it multiplayer, don't get me wrong, but it's annoying. It seems like it'd be worth it to play, you know, poker with Bob Saget, though. Really. Ah, uh, that's true. Okay. Ugh. Yes, and, and let me say that the game is MA ra- is uh, adults-only rated with Bob Saget. You didn't get my joke, did you? Jeez, people, <laughs> as no one's... I haven't even seen The Aristocrats, and I get that joke. Okay. Good oh, guy. <laughs> All right. That's a point. You... That's a point. Two out of three hosts are at least of age to have seen Aristocrats. I should remember that. So I was appealing to half my audience, and he chose that moment to be silent. Sorry, I don't get the Bob Saget jokes. <laughs> Okay, uh, I will suffice to say that when Bob Saget goes on to do his stand-up act in shows, he is probably one of the dirtiest talkers in the stand-up arena. He, I mean, he, he right up tells you, if you're looking for the guy who played Full House in America's Funniest Home Videos, you're in for the shock of your life. So anyway, that's wins and fails. All right, so I believe we're going to go on to something we kind of referenced at earlier, but save till now. Yes. So back in uh, back in what we've been playing, the two of you left out something in your RPG playing. Would you care to say what that is? Yes. Yes, we did. Mark and I managed to, and this is weird given that I'm the northernmost and he's the southernmost, we managed to spend a couple of days together at Fear the Con 4. Oh my god, you guys! And I did not. <laughs> Mike will attend sometime in the future as his schedule permits. Yes. You know, you, I was honestly, across the Atlantic doing yeah. nothing gaming related. Oh, that's that's true. You were in Rome. Yeah. Forget that's Rome. But that's not part of the podcast. Rome is stupid. All gaming right. is awesome. Uh, Mark, I'd like you to open up with this because I think you engage some of the of the uh, the fan base a little bit more than I did. So I'd love to hear just your back-to-front story of Fear the Con 4. Wait, I talked to fans of the show? What? You talked to fans of the Fear the Boots show, which means that you were more engaged with the, the people we saw. I mean, I certainly made some friends. I certainly had some great conversations. But I think if I'm looking at the post-show chatter on the Fear the Boot forums, you're certainly the name that comes oh, up. this is true. Uh, what do you want to know? Everybody was super nice. Uh... You know, everybody, they were just good people. Good, clean people. That's an odd adjective to use. Including the good, clean people who body slammed other people into the wood chip. Oh, yeah, no, that was, that was, I felt so bad for poor David Gray. Noble Bear comes in, it's like three in the morning, I kid you not. He comes in hooting and hollering and screaming like a banshee out of hell. And... Poor David Gray is, like, the first person to get attacked by him. Noble Bear gives him one of his, you know... He's known as Noble Bear because he's a very, 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 very large man. uh, Both in rotundness and size. And, uh... He gives poor David Gray a big old bear hug. But manages to slip and fall into a pot... Into, like, at least a three-inch like, slot in the ground that is filled with wood chips. Now, this wouldn't be bad if they both fell in. But no, Noble Bear landed safely on the carpet outside the hole, but poor David Gray fell into the hole with his head slamming on the corner. It was it was pretty scary. Yeah. And, and that was the entire... 
the rough and tumble world of role-playing game yes. conventions. Because everybody goes to conventions for role-playing you know, street life. Damn it! You stole my joke, Michael. While I was telling it, I hate you. <laughs> so back to just give us some highlights from the show from your point of view. What else happened that you really got? Uh, you really um, enjoyed. I don't know. I just I, I enjoyed all of the the stuff that everybody went out and did. Like uh, we went to Dave and Buster's. That was really fun. We uh, we hung. We just there was a lot of just hanging out, and I thought it was very very you know good. You know everybody got a chance to meet each other. Everybody got a chance to experience each other. There were a lot of pickup games. You know what? You know what? I played D and D Fourth Edition, the board game. That was pretty fun. <laughs> That's oh, a Return to Castle Ravenloft, isn't it? Yes, yes, it is. Uh, are you talking? So not a Shardalon. No. Because that's the sequel that's gonna that's out now that's compatible as far as I know with the Ravenloft system, but is more set in a classical D and D world as opposed to the the subworld of Ravenloft. Nope, nope. Just just the Ravenloft game. Um, I you know I liked it. Um, even though there were a lot of uh, and you know there were a lot of just things that that could be taken out, but. Aside from that, it was just good fun. Uh, I did a lot of pickup role-playing games. I, I was I was expressively sad that I had to miss out on... Actually, everybody had to miss out on the second half of GOAT Unit's Atari Tron people trapped in a 2600 role-playing game based in Savage Worlds. But that was about it. Why'd they have to miss out? What happened? Did the... Did the um... Did he close up shop, or did it finish early? No, we were all drunk. Very, very, very drunk. And uh, we just never got... <laughs> At some point, things just kind of collapsed. Well, yeah, no. We just... We, we did character creation, went to bed, and nobody... Uh, nobody came back to it except me. And then go, you know, just like, yeah, sure, sometime. But that was it. That's, I guess, a good reason. All right, I'm going to talk about what I did, which was, uh, first, there was Worldwide Wing Night. I did not get to it, go to it at Fear the Con 3, and I now more regret that because Worldwide Wing Night, just everyone getting together, uh, sitting down in front of a buffet, talking. Uh, there was a game of the forum card game that came out that uh, Noble Bear had talked to me about the rules, and so he wanted to demo the game, and suddenly there were like 10 people at the table ready to demo the game, and so they played a couple games, and I moved around, uh, talked to Scott Bonner, talked to a whole bunch of people, had a really good, relaxed time, and then on Friday, uh, demoed uh, Lahav the board game and got some pretty good reviews on that, and then played in Dan's Transformer game where we were all the set, uh, the Combaticons, and I was blast off, and I am the only Transformer to have come out of that game undamaged. Yay! Because I was paranoid as hell. Yay! <laughs> and uh, because the player playing Brawl, I will question his brawl authenticness because he decided to, that he was so paranoid about all the communication that was going on secretly between the others and Decepticon base that basically in the middle of the game, and I'm not kidding, like an hour and 45 minutes in, he detonated this huge explosive with every character in the room but me on site and present. Hmm. That, uh, that was yeah, that would be and, a and, non-productive that was both non-productive and, in my opinion, it wasn't authentic to Brawl. I don't think Brawl's smart enough to be suspicious. At least not quietly. But it, we all had fun, so I'm not going to say... I mean, it was a good game. And then for the third slot, that was me running Amber Diceless. I had a really good time on that. I think I was a little underprepared for how much the players knew about the world of Amber. If I'd knew, if I'd gone in knowing that, I'd have given them a lot more to work with. But as it was, I said, here's how you learn the game, and here's how you learn the world. And so the story was a little loose. I'm actually contemplating right now using the PCs they wrote, statting them out, and then running at Fear the Con 5, a sequel to that game, to get a little bit more depth into it. But we'll see how that goes. And then on uh, Saturday, I demoed Small World and 
our co-host Mark was a participant in that. We played two games and had a world of fun. That was really cool. And uh, then I was slated to run Dresden Files six slot, but as I said, I only just recently finished the the store the actual novels, and so I hadn't gotten into the role playing mechanics until like literally two weeks ago. And I really had an agonizing time, but I finally decided somewhere fifth, midway through fifth slot, which for me was manning the front door, was just I was not ready to run, and it was going to be a bad idea for everybody involved. I looked, and there was another Dresden file game running that slot that didn't have a full boat, so I actually scrapped mine and spent slots five and six just hanging out and talking, uh, talked with a wonderful woman who uh, showed up to, at slot six to man the booth, and we talked for a while. Mark came over after his game of Rover Alley, and we had a good chat, and there really was nothing like it. And at the same time, having peeled back the the, the urgency of learning Dresden Files, I got to sit back a lot more loosely and take a look at it, and that really got me more appreciative of the system, as I was saying earlier. So, uh, I had a really good time at Fear of the Con 4. Got to see a lot of people who I only know by name, or by screen handle, and uh, got to play a lot of good games and have fun. So, if, you've, if you're a fan of the Fear of the Boot community and you're interested, Fear of the Con 5 coming next April, next March, very much you should be there if you can. And if you can't, if you think you can't, you more than likely can because there are ride-sharing threads and hotel-sharing threads. I'm going to pimp Fear the Con a little bit just to say it is amazing. At, at the end of the con, they brought out a map of where people come from to get to Fear the Con 4. And as you now know, one of them came from Cuba, but some of them are coming from Washington State. Some of them are coming from California, and they're getting not wagon trains, but at least ride-sharing caravans going across the country to get to Missouri. And that's one of the reasons I think that Noble Bear was a little wired up is because he'd been driving from California all day. I'm pretty sure that's the only time people have come into droves to Missouri. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I am a new entry to the state, so I... What did I do at Fear the Con for, you asked? Noble gentlemen, I ran the greatest game of Dread possibly ever made. Definitely better than Chad's Dread games. So if, if someone tries to tell me that Chad is better than me, they're damn liars. I ran Dread with giant robots. That sounds incredible, I'm going to be honest. Are you familiar with yeah, Dread? Yeah, that's Mike? the uh, Jenga game. That is the Jenga game game. And uh, this, it's, I, without getting into a bunch of details about the game, because I was, I was GMing it, so my experience was... Very, oh my god, why are they doing this? I gotta think of something. Okay, Reagan conspiracy. Yes, Reagan conspiracy. Oh my god, why are they going over here? Uh, no, his hand dissolves and they put a plan on it. Yes, okay. Uh, oh my god, why are they attacking the Earth base? Uh, giant robot. Okay, go. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. I think, I think... This relates to last episode talking about open world gaming where it really is just letting the players guide a lot of the action. It takes guts. It takes the GM being able to go at a moment's notice and go, uh, uh, giant robot here, okay, and that kind of thing. But it's where I think a lot, I mean, I think that's going to be one of the reasons that you're going to say it's the best Dread game ever because it was so responsive. It, it, it tuned exactly to what the players were doing. Yeah, that, and I, I had so much fun running that, even though I had to do weird stuff like make a JFK assassination conspiracy theory involving robots. But <laughs> I just, I really enjoyed running it. And I'm not trying to say I'm better than Chad. So if anybody wants to put us like we're, we hate each other. But a after the con, I did. we were all eating at Denny's. And all the Fear the Boot hosts came into Denny's. And I leaned over and I said, hey, Chad. And he goes, what? And I said, my Dread game was better than yours. <laughs> and how did Chad respond? He was like, oh, what'd you run? And then we just talked about Dread for a little bit. It was pretty cool. I bet, Ch I bet oh, Chad the Celebrity cool. doesn't even remember it. I know he wasn't happy with his second slot because it was the slot six. Everyone was really kind of tired. And if you ask him about it, he'll say he didn't think he gave it really that 100% that he could. But um, now Dread is... I, I may actually start looking at Dread just because it does seem to be a very... 
uh, good system uh, rife with possibilities and the fact that it gets most of the mechanics out of the way and just says you're only going to bother making any kind of determination, which is a pull from the Jenga Tower, when the situation is key. That, I think, is really good for a role-playing game, to go, let's talk about the things that matter and not your attempt to open your mail. Right. That, and uh, it is completely action-driven. Uh, the way the way I played it was literally like a movie. I, I have to say it was like a movie, because every time something happened, they made an appropriate pull, and then through the pull, something else would happen. So everything just scaled like a, like a tower of falling dominoes. Wow, I wonder where you got that metaphor from. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, tell us about the other slots, though. I know that's the one that we, that's the highlight is the dread game you ran, but what else happened? I also I played. Let's see, the first slot I played in a Magic the Gathering tournament that I lost in the first round. Second slot, I did nothing. <laughs> Third slot, oh, that was my game. Okay. <laughs> was I? third slot. It involves standing around a table with wooden dominoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. I don't... I, don't I feel bad, because I don't remember what I did in fourth slot. Uh, no, that was my... That was the Expendables game. Now that I remember it. If, if I'm remembering it, I might not be remembering it correctly. My, my, my head does not matter itself with trivial conservancies like time and place. But... So I also played in Roonster's Expendables game, where everybody got. It was basically action movie the game, where we just. It was it was awesome and hilarious, and I'm no good with telling gaming stories without boring people to death, but just everything went perfectly, and it was such it was such full of gnarly stupid. Well, tell humor. us about your. <laughs> well, in, in comparison to everybody else, my character wasn't that cool. My character was. Uh, a play on a snake from Escape from uh, Los Angeles, uh, and he had a giant Bowie knife. It's pretty awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> See, keep yeah. talking. And uh, the the whole game um, was done with loom, so we had to, you know, we had the card mechanic. And what happens is, we uh, grab you grab cards. And for each of these, like, attributes, you, you get an extra card. Well, all of our attributes were, like, badass. It was badass tattoo, badass weapon, what situation in your life made you badass. And I kept using my tattoo, which was two snakes impaled on a knife eating each other. And then I sat there for a minute after I wrote that down, and I went dot, 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 on fire. <laughs> on fire! <laughs> Because that makes everything more badass. And it was just fun. Roonster runs a really, really good game. Uh, you, and you can go check out his podcast because I'm sure they need our, you know, four-man people who listen to us pimping at uh, postcardsfromthedungeon.com. Um, aside from that, I I did that. We don't know anybody's website address. Not just. <laughs> By the way, small side change. Um, I die a little bit inside every time Dan or Chad mentions that. What? By the way, it is Gaming Asylum Podcast at blogspot.com. At blogspot.com, Jeff? This isn't an email. Oh, God. (laughs) Dot. GoDaddy.com. I I played Robo Rally with uh, Lime Wielding Ninja's mother, which was fun, albeit kind of odd. Especially since it, it, I don't know, it was late and everybody just wanted to, Bleh. I guess that was it. I don't remember playing in anything else or running anything else, that's for sure. Oh, I played in Jeff's game. <laughs> yes, that's right. I played in Jeff's game, which was actually slot four. Five was Expendables, six was Robo Rallies, and then that only lasted like 20 minutes and I just started dicking around with Jeff. So, what'd you think of Small World when you played it? It was like Risk, but fun. That's a good review. I'm happy with that. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed the host. And, uh... I mean, I like the game. I'll probably buy it if I ever have a group. But, uh, it was good. Thumbs up. And once again, pimping my earlier topic, if you do have an iPad, there is Small World for the iPad, which I believe even supports two-player with a computer opponent. Yes. 
Yeah. I think I mean that that that's the one thing that has inevitably drawn my attention to the iPad is that 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 and the iPhone are where some of your modern uh, board game electronic equivalents are going. Uh, Kingsburg is stunning that to me that it went to the iPhone, but it's there. Carcassonne is there. I think Settlers of Catan has been there for a while. A uh, small world is there. Blockus is there. Uh, just it seems like it may be the new hotness in electronic conversions of board games. And given that it's the only system, and I think this is to the Wii and the DS's mutual shame, it's the only system with that it's integrated both to say you can actually play Scrabble where an iPad is the board and your iPhone or iPod Touch is your Scrabble tile rack that you see individually. I think that Nintendo should just hit itself in the head every time it thinks about what it missed by not yet integrating those two more soundly than... The only thing I know that actually does it is, I believe, personal trainer walking will let you export your uh, me from your Wii to your DS. Now, and it's... I, I'm, I'm just disgusted that that's the only thing I can say about that possibility of connection. The reason they don't do that anymore, and this is not into, you know, a, a super deep topic, was because they tried that a lot with GameCube and Game Boy Advance connectivity, and it was horrible and didn't work and created such a backlash to them that if they tried to bring it up for other, things other than short ping connectivity then they would do the same thing like they likened the 3DS to the Virtual Boy. Nintendo is a company where they try something, if they get bit, they never do it again. Uh, hey, okay. Then but, Crystal Chronicles, I Tingle Tuner and Wind Waker was awful, but Four Swords Adventure was amazing. Yeah, if you had controllers. <laughs> nah, I, I still remember some of the Penny Arcade stuff talking about Crystal Chronicles, where, you know, you had to own like four game cubes and four game boys and you know the the argument was like I got to spend how much money and the answer was usually you know people with both but you don't know people with no, I with I, the I just retarded cords those were the bitch <laughs> I still remember uh the first the first suggestion I ever heard it's for a game that I don't normally follow but it totally made sense we uh, Madden for the Wii was a no brainer to have your DS be the play call screen they should have done that. There's no reason they should have. Should they? They couldn't have. That's asking the the Gramers to actually have a DS, and uh, unless they put Killzone on it or Halo on it or Tacal of Duties, then uh, no, they're not going to own a DS. Well, they might own their uh, younger uh, siblings DS. Now you're just supporting sibling sibling bullying, Jeff. Are you Are you sure you want to keep digging this hole? I think sibling sibling bullying is kind of inevitable, but all right, fine. I win. So anyway, that anyway, let's let's rewind to, and that was how Small World was such an enjoyable experience. Fear the Con for I actually got some uh, praise on the forums on the Fear the Boot forums for how I run and teach video uh, board games, and that's one thing I will say is if your uh, friend has a board game that he wants to introduce to you and your friends, and he's not willing to sit that board game out and teach it to you so that all the players are on an equal footing, that player isn't so interested in teaching you the board game as they are in winning it, I think. Yeah. I liked your style much better than the... Yeah, when I taught um, uh, the Chaos in the Old World last year for the con, and when I did uh, both Lahav and Small World this con, I run the game to make sure the players have to think as little as possible about the minutia of the rules. I try and give them prompts when I see that they're potentially running into problems, and I let them determine the experience, let them have the fun. My fun is watching them enjoy a game that I love and I brought to the con. So really, that's kind of what we... Oh, man. Stop that. So really, that's what we kind of wanted to cover on the main show was just we've been gone for quite a while. We wanted to catch up with where we've been, talk about gaming, talk about Fear the Con 4, really get ourselves back on a footing, and I think we've kind of done that with this show, when you agree? Indubitably. Yes. So let's talk about ways to get in touch with the show. All right. You can find our website at the completely reasonable to understand and remember website, gamingasylumpodcast.blogspot.com. Um, you can reach us at Gaming Asylum 
our email address as a show is gamingasylumpodcast at gmail. And then each of us have our own individual emails. I'm gamerinterface at gmail.com. I'm trapchest at gmail.com. <laughs> I'm gamingasylummichael at gmail.com. And... And next week, we have a topic that we're not yet going to disclose. So secret is... Secrets. Don't lie, you just haven't thought of it yet. Just play the end song. (laughs) Uh, Actually, I would like to say before we go, we do have a review on iTunes, which just tickles the heck out of me. It's really cool to see. I encourage anyone else listening to go leave a review on iTunes, because it's a nice place to aggregate. We have one. We have a four star. We have a review, so kudos to that gentleman or lady, and now let's talk about more people putting on iTunes, more people coming to the show's website, Gaming Asylum Podcast at blogspot.blogspot.com, <laughs> and letting us know what they think of the show, and reacting to our various silly Indeed. comments. Everybody, be sure to leave all your love letters on the site to me, because I am the greatest. Okay. I will remain the most humble. I am only second awesomest on the show. You two may fight for first. Yes, but you're already host number one. We oh, established yeah, we that. did. Well, those are just ah. ordering. Those aren't necessarily... Yeah, take advantage of it. Keep it. Okay. I am the best ever, period, of all podcasts. Thank you. I'm going to go ahead and save this now. You hear that, folks? You're listening to the best podcast host ever. (laughs) Okay, you're... Send all of your hate mail to uh, trapchest at gmail.com. Absolutely. Yes, please. Please do. And, ladies and gentlemen, I believe that uh, concludes the proceedings for this evening. Yes, yes it does. Bye. Looking forward to talking to you soon. Goodbye. I'm waving to the imaginary audience that isn't there. See ya. They're there. Bye. We have evidence now. Well, no, but they're not. Take Can't care. See bye. the wave. Gaming Asylum is owned by Michael Burdick. Under the Creative Commons license, it's licensed under a Creative Commons attribution share alike 3.0.